0: I think it's recorded and, and, and yeah just I don't have anything written down I just I just wanted to sit and have a conversation with you about um, photography and, and uh, music so um, put this so musically somebody told me that you're a musician
1: yeah I, I play piano keyboards Okay. and I compose music and okay. I don't have my, uh, my setup set up right now but why is that because uh, I'm going back and forth between Fullerton and Yorba Linda and I'm more out in Yorba Linda and I don't have a <laughs> <Nice look. laughs> and I don't have a <laughs> 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 I don't have a place to set up the keyboard right now and connect it to the computer so
0: and that's what you do you you're using your keyboard are you getting the sounds from the computer or uh,
1: I have a I have a keyboard, which is a, 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 a MIDI controller, yeah, right. and then um, and then I have another keyboard that has all the sounds built in, and then I have a, a two or three sound modules okay. that are basically synthesizers. That
0: Which ones do you own? Which sound modules do you own? Uh, y-
1: you know, the older ones I can't remember, the, and the, the, the newer one is a Roland, uh, it's a high-end Roland one, but I can't think of the... Of the specific number on it at this point, so it just point. has like,
0: like old synth synth sounds and what strings and different.
1: It's got it, it's got about four thousand sounds in it. So mm-hmm. so it's got uh, all sort. It's got sound effects, it's got orchestra, it's got individual strings, every individual instrument that you could imagine. Right. A couple of dozen different pianos. Okay. Uh, right. Organs. All just. It's loaded with mm. sound.
0: Did you? Um, when, when did you, if, if you did, make a switch from say the acoustic piano to using a keyboard or were you always somebody who just, you heard the synthesizer, you oh my god I love that thing. You got into that. Was it one or the other? Or? No,
1: I was a piano guy and I'm yeah. still a piano guy, I just love the sound of pianos. But I can, you know, I, I work in all the other instruments. Um, I started taking piano lessons when I was like seven years old. And so, and I took it all the way through high school, Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, I I I quit for a while, until my father found me um, a teacher that taught me how to um, improvise. Rather than just read music, uh, she taught me how to improvise things and how all the chord structures worked and and all that thing. And that's when I really fell in love with with making music. Mm. So.
0: so, in the jazz format, improv- improvisation? Or? Ja- any, any. Just
1: any. It, it basically was just an overall instruction on how uh, chord structures and harmonics worked and rather than read individual notes, I could see just a C minor yeah. and I knew what the notes were Available and I could get my hand, yeah. yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so, it, it, it just totally changed my, my life. Right, that's. And it, I, to the point where I almost in college switched from a biology major to a, a music major, huh. but didn't. Right. And and it was good that I didn't. Mm, really.
0: <laughs> yeah. But but that's kind of cool. So like, what was it about? Because I'm a I'm a classically trained percussionist. I studied for you know six hours a day for.
1: Really. Yeah, most of my life. Yeah. Really.
0: Oh yeah. I mean
1: just. Because um, one, one of my uh, uh, college roommates uh, is a is a percussionist. He lives up in the valley, and he uh, he plays with the L.A. Phil. Okay. Yeah.
0: Not Mitch Peters.
1: No, John Magnuson is oh, his okay. name. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, and and I find it really fascinating that you that when you got into, when you when you discovered improvisation that that somehow lit a light for you because it's so opposite of the structure of classical music and, and
1: well it, it is and it isn't i i mean if you if i were if i if i had the gift of somebody like beethoven or mozart th- they completely understand all of that improvisation otherwise they couldn't compose yes absolutely you and, have to learn and, all the and, rules the structure yeah, of it before you write. Yeah, and i i got to be moderately good uh, back in the day not yep. so much anymore at sight reading um, but I always had trouble going outside of the the treble and bass staffs because I I <laughs> I, I could recognize the notes within the lines, the lines yeah. but once you got the little dashes above and below right. it was yeah. like
0: where am I I'm lost <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. So, so like triple high C and... Yeah, it's like, well,
1: it's, I'd have to go, one, two. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that slowed down your, uh, yeah, your performance.
1: But the improvisation part, then, if I just saw a chord structure, or I could recognize uh, that I was playing an E-flat, then, then I knew what the scales were, and I knew what chords I could go to, and so then it was easy to find the notes either high or
0: low. In a so, way, it was more globally defined right in a way yeah right i understand that that's cool so do you have um did you record any of the stuff that you wrote did you write or did you just like improv and being no i I haven't
1: recorded in a long time that's why Mm -hmm. i'm and i'm hoping to get my setup going again Mm -hmm. but yeah no i did i did record a lot of things back in the day Mm -hmm. before uh back in the day when when before mp3 files and Mm -hmm. Uh, Destroyed the music industry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all the all the purely digital recording. I most of the stuff that I recorded was way back in the days of tape. Yes. And so.
0: Yeah, you know, I I, um, I worked on a project with my friend. I I grew up in the, near Cypress College, and um, I have a friend. He's a drummer. His name is John Wackerman. and he was he and I worked on a project with this Guy Kuzumi Watanabe. and somehow we got. Other work, working for Patrick Mraz. Oh. Yeah. Oh, God, I love Patrick Mraz. Yeah. So I got to spend <laughs> a lot of time with him, and we worked in his... Really? That, yeah. At that time, he had a studio called Time Code, and it was right there on... Um, it was in Los Angeles. I want to I say it was near um, Santa Monica and something. I can't remember. It was right near a, a Yoshinoya Bowl place. But anyways, <laughs> so I got to watch him. You know, I got to watch Patrick... Compose music and have all these wonderful musicians come in and work on his stuff, and you know he's just like a genius. I mean, he's like a, oh yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. He's he's big time. My, uh, I, I'm on Facebook. Uh, one of my college roommates, who's also a, a, a music guy, but as a as a living, he's a or to make a living, he's a psychologist. Uh, he challenged me to a a, a thing where we're talking about albums that affected our lives mm. and uh, one of the ones that I that it is still maybe the the one of the most important albums that I've mm. heard right. is an album by Yes uh-huh. called Relayer. All oh, right. And and Relayer is the first Yes album that was made after the keyboardist Rick Wakeman left the group and Patrick Moraz joined it right. and it has the uh, what I still think is maybe the best rock song ever written mm-hmm. uh, and performed called The Gates of Delirium right. on it that's a famous and, song yeah. yeah and so
0: and he's amazing
1: yeah Yeah. and he brought unlike Wakeman he brought a more
0: jazzy feel right to yes so right yeah it was cool I, I think we might have worked at his studio for maybe three months or something and it was just you know, like a kid in a candy store, to watch him compose and to watch—he's I mean, everything you would think a genius composer would be: he's eccentric and smart. and You'd <laughs> have this—I would love to have, actually have a conversation with him. I probably, I should probably talk to somebody about that. But, um, uh, but uh, I'm trying to think—is he still alive? I think he's still alive. I—I d- don't know. Yeah. I was going to ask you. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, so uh, hopefully he is. Yeah, and he was one. was just a funny, wonderful brilliant player. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and and, and 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 a bit unorthodox in some of his approach. Like he would play some stuff almost. You know, it wasn't all like the piano player would play. He would he would sort of hammer at things and kind of I don't know if that was for drama or if it sounds different if you do this.
1: It de- it depends on the keyboard, mm-hmm. probably. Uh, the, my keyboard and my my piano are, uh, obviously pianos are touch sensitive. Right. A lot of keyboards, simply you just press it and it plays the note.
0: Note on, note off.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, but mine is a, my MIDI controller is a, a hammer action, so it functions like a piano. Right. So if you hit it hard, mm-hmm. you're louder and, and the, the, the fade is different and everything.
0: You get a lot of that dynamic range, you do the... Yeah, you get a lot of that, but it's not yeah. a piano, right? It's not exactly an acoustic piano sitting in your. Like no, your but room. it
1: has. But but it has th- the sound modules have these pianos built into them that are just amazing. Like I can get a Boisen grand, and, right. and I can get a Steinway grand, and I can get, and they're not exact, but they're they're pretty they're stunning. Close. I and, know. and to have the variety is just uh, because if you're if you're working with other instruments. The, the the particular piano sound is important to integrate properly because yep. different pianos are very different.
0: Yes, yeah, and it would cost you so much money in the studio to bring a different piano in and to mic it. And, you know, yeah. Yeah.
1: And you know these these guys that play classical concerts, the pianists like Berenberg or or you know you know any number of the the famous piano guys. Um, it's one thing if you're a violinist to travel around with your violin. Mm-hmm. It's another to travel around with your piano. And they have their pianos shipped to the venues oh. and set up and tuned for whatever they're, they're going to do
0: at wow. Disney Concert Hall or whatever. Can you imagine that's that? That's so cool. That's a whole ordeal. I mean, that's piano mover and a tuner, obviously. And yeah. That's a, that's a bit of a crew.
1: Yeah, they don't just take the piano that the place has. They bring their instrument to it, and and probably not all of them, but a lot of them do. Top ones, yeah. Wow,
0: it's because they just know the way that one feels. They just yeah. Everyone has
1: a different feel. I remember I I grew up on a Baldwin grand piano, Mm -hmm. and when I was a kid, the the two major ones were Steinway and Baldwin, and I I started out on a Baldwin, and that's what I learned on, and I never even touched a Steinway till years later and I remember the first time I hit a Steinway Mm -hmm. it was like this just feels totally different Mm. the sound is different the feel of the keys the pressure is different Mm -hmm. it would take uh, it would take time to really get used to playing Mm -hmm. a piece that you were used to on one piano Mm -hmm. on another piano right
0: you know like a lot of time you have to really get adjusted
1: yeah because it's Mm -hmm. the, the whole touch thing it's all different Steinway is a uh, Baldwin is a harder touch, Steinway okay. is a softer touch and okay. you'd have to you'd have you to get to used to it. Your yeah, you have to adjust everything that yeah. you do.
0: Right. I didn't so. know that. So now that everybody just has controllers and modules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and modules, <laughs> yeah. So what made you um, d- decide or or did you was it a thing where because you retired you decided to get into music in this way or was it just because you're going back and forth between these two places that you're not set up to do that you know, you know I mean how much has music been a, a part of your life um, say when you were working were you able to compose I or... even
1: wanted to bring when I was at Cyprus I, I wanted to bring my one of my keyboards over there and put it in my office I never uh, never found time to, to do it and I always tried to get the uh, the division dean when they were getting rid of Keyboards and getting new in the music department. Oh, right. I tried to get them to lend me one, sure. but, they, but they never would. Um, uh, or I would have been playing piano over there all the time. I I try to play every day, so you do. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. And because you love it, or because if you set it down, you're going to lose your chops, or both, or
1: mostly because I just love it. I just love to play. Right. I mean.
0: Right. Now, when you sit down to play, you know what do you? do you work on I just make stuff I just make, make stuff, stuff up. up yeah yeah and do you ever record that at all or just
1: I don't have the means to do it right yeah. now which is why I'm trying to get my the keyboard set up out there mm. my, my, my mother lives out in Yorba Linda and she's 93 oh and so I how kind wonderful. of take care of her that's awesome and uh, my house is about a mile from here but okay. I spend a fair amount of time out there with her so
0: right give me something to do when you're out there
1: yeah. yeah, and she's the one with the she's <laughs> the one with the Baldwin piano. So that piano is still there, and I can still play. But I, but I miss my my MIDI keyboard and my sounds.
0: Right, right. So that's cool. This is not a, a just just drinking. You know, when I do these, people come up and sometimes will talk to us, or if I'm in a different environment, I actually am using. This is a this is a um, environmental portrait in an audio sense. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> it's a two-shot. It works shot. for me. You and I we're having <laughs> our our photograph taken in an audio sense, and and all the the cars going by we're gonna hear that. You listen to this with headset, you hear the cars go from your mm. mic to my mic. Really? Yeah. It's <laughs> kind of neat. <laughs> and our voices will be a little louder because we're we're close. Yeah. It's proximity, just like a, like with with cameras. And,
1: yeah. I love this little recording thing. I just like the look of it.
0: Yeah, this is the little zoom. Um, This is like one of the, it's been around forever and everybody uses it. Look, it's got, you can read how it's going in. Of course, like anything digital, I believe this has limiters and compressors, which I do not have engaged. Um, But this one will do up to four tracks. So I don't know if you remember those old Tascam four-track tape machines. Yeah. Um, which cost like sixteen hundred bucks, like in nineteen eighty. This, <laughs> yeah. this was only this was only like two hundred dollars, and it does like four tracks, and it writes to these um, SD cards. Wow! Or it can go right to a computer. It can become an audio interface if you stuck this in your uh, here and put it in your laptop USB. Then these would be like an audio interface. Huh. Uh, yeah. And so um, it's fun. You could do. You could actually make songs on that and you can even over overdub and stuff yeah all in that little can tangons. you record the
1: tracks separately yes okay
0: yeah, you can yep so it's a little multi-tracks it's a multi-purpose multi-track you can do stereo i just got it for this just to talk to people yeah yeah um but um so yeah don't feel pressure to always talk or don't you know, if you want to take a drink if you have to go to the bathroom just the mic I don't even off. know where the bathrooms are here, <laughs> <laughs> or they have them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's a nice park. It is. There's a little bathroom over there. Look, there's a, one of those. Oh, porta potty. Yeah. Or I don't know if that's on. Yeah. It's very peaceful here.
1: Yeah, it's nice here.
0: So how do you how do you um, get or, or did you find a formula for being retired yet? Is there a formula?
1: No, it's just kind of day by day, I guess. Uh, it's, 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 it's kind of an odd life after you've worked for, I, I was never, from the time I was 16 years old and I got my first job, I was never unemployed even a day until I retired. So it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of weird. Right. to not be going to work. It, it's not that I I miss it. Uh, Cypress College is very different now than it was when I was there, <clears throat> at least the photo department is, it and is, yeah. um, I think that I I probably left when it was the, the right time yeah. to leave, because I, I, I just, I don't think that I would be happy there now, but I was extraordinarily happy there for 31 years full-time, and and um, I m- I don't necessarily miss the, the classroom part of it, but I miss talking to the students individually, and I miss the staff that we had, the faculty and staff that we had when I was there, because we we built I think a, a pretty terrific program over the, the many years that I was there, and I. Sadly, it's kind of falling apart at this point. So, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you're over there at all.
0: I couldn't even... This you know, this, this semester I had to take a um, color theory class because I couldn't even get... All the classes I tried to take failed because, you know, they changed it back to the thing with the labs and the class. Yeah. And so me having kids... My kids are pretty young. I can't stay there from 2 in the afternoon until 9 at night.
1: Yeah. Well, th- and that's why we had the format that we had before mm-hmm. so that you could come a day and you could schedule your lab time when it worked for you. Right, And that just kind of, when they had to change it back, and I understand why they had to, it was a money thing, but that that format was the kind of format that college had when I was in college. And that's, God, that's half a century ago. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't work for now. No. People's lives are structured in a very different way now. And so we we thought that we had a pretty good customer service way of scheduling the classes. But unfortunately, the, the Ed Code is it has not caught up to, to what we did. And when when the enrollment of the college sank a bit, then all of a sudden we were costing them money.
0: And mm-hmm. and changed they changed it. They saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Well... And it and that structure too, by having the class all with the lab, it messed up that environment of sitting in the lab and maybe meeting people and having conversations with yes, like you and I are. Like, having, yes, exactly. Which helps artists.
1: Right. Nurtures. Right. nurtures and they and, and they when they changed that structure, they limited they, they wanted you to come to class and go away when that lab time was done. And I'm all that's just stupid for what we do. Yeah. You know, yeah. because I, I remember when I first got going in photo. Uh, you know, I I was a student at Cypress, and I, I went through the program at Cypress back in the '70s. And, and and when I first got going in the in the photo biz, you know, I was I was used to the the normal uh, work day being an eight hour day. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> when I when I came out of photo school and I started assisting and, and started to get my own business going, the normal photo day is a 10-hour day, okay. and it usually stretches to a 12 or 14-hour day, to say, yeah, because nothing... <laughs>
0: <laughs> you plan on it, Dina. You know? <laughs> yeah, you hope it's going to be 10, but it hardly never, ever is. It never is, yeah. yeah.
1: And, and, so, and that was like six days a week, and that's, that's, that's how I worked for years. And you had these extraordinary interactions with people, uh that that went on for you know many hours every day and if you were assisting uh a lot of times you were one of a number of people that was assisting in a particular studio sometimes you were on your own and i did a lot of custom printing darkroom stuff so i was a a darkroom assistant for a number of people because i was a really good printer and um you you get a regular kind of not necessarily a regular schedule, but a regular presence with people for a long time. And you have R- an opportunity rapport, yeah. to, to, you know, yeah, establish a rapport and, and learn and get going. Uh, you know, Greg Zajac. Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful. So, so I worked for Zajak. I was an assistant for Zajac and he and I go back 40 plus years. Um, and I learned basically, I, I credit Greg with my mm. learning how to light stuff in the studio Yeah, he's because he's really, really good at amazing. that. And I, and I learned, assisting for him, I learned how to light stuff. I learned how to light stuff that is, that is like impossible mm. to light. Mm. And he had a way of, of figuring it out mm. and, and making it work. Mm. You know, like a standard uh, standard tabletop thing is a dark to light. So it's yep. it's dark and a great age to light on the bottom. Right. Okay. I remember we had a job that required light to dark. Okay. And that is, that's a bitch. Uh, light to dark. Light to dark. Light on the top, dark yeah. on the bottom. I'm trying
0: to think about that, yeah.
1: And man, and he figured it out. He figured out a way to do it. We we got it going. It took us uh, most of most of a a day to do the one shot, Mm -hmm. Uh, but but he did it. But he did it. Yeah, he got it figured out.
0: I I took and I will never
1: I will never forget. I still have that built into my brain that light setup and how it worked. You remember how that went? Yeah. Right. Yeah because right. we used to you know when I was doing this back in the studio in the days we didn't do digital we didn't have photoshop no. none of that stuff existed so if you wanted it to look a certain way you had to make it happen 100% optical in camera yeah in yeah. Camera. yeah. so
0: yeah. yeah I took his class because I went to your retirement party and you had you made a statement about how he was the best lighting guy you ever oh yeah yeah and so I took his I took one of the classes that he was offering just just because of what you said, you know. and you were right. I mean, um, just like a ninja, like a, a Yoda of <laughs> Yes, because you don't because he doesn't. If you just met the guy, you wouldn't really know that.
1: No, he's very kind of unassuming and he's very calm, and mm-hmm. uh, but he's a really good guy. He's a great photographer, and yeah. uh, and I'm glad that I had the opportunity to work with him and for him. And, right. So yeah.
0: And that's an example of the kind of. Um, teachers you had at that in that school I mean yes it was astounding the of yeah. experience re-
1: really good people and they were well matched to the classes that they were teaching you know like Zajac taught lighting stuff and for the, he taught beginning too but he also taught the, the studio classes and he's good at it and he he actually uh, was before he became a photographer he was a school teacher so he's good at teaching oh, okay and uh,
0: that's that's a skill set in itself to be a teacher yeah yeah Yeah. right
1: and he's patient he's one of the most patient people I've I've ever met because I (laughs) you when you are in a studio environment and you have art directors and uh, uh, ad people there Um, you have to and maybe client people Mm -hmm. uh, you, you have to be Patient and yes. you know, customer is always right. Yes, and,
0: no matter even if you know, it, even if it uh, doesn't agree with your artistic sense. right,
1: right. And I, 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 could always tell when he was upset, but I, nobody else would ever know. You know, he had a there's a in poker there's a thing called a tell, oh, uh-huh. where if you're if you're bluffing or, or as you play. There's everybody, not everybody, because pe- pe- professional players will learn how to cover it up. But a tell is something that you do that gives away
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> what you're thinking. And, uh-huh. and you'll repeat it again and again and again. If you bluff, you are you might move a finger a certain way. or you know.
0: If good players can sent, read, they, they read. They
1: read that and they can see it, and so they work hard to, to cover it up. And, and, and Greg had a tell when he was upset. He would, you'd never know, but I I knew it. He would be talking to somebody and he would just go, "Uh uh-huh. And that's it? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And that, he was upset. You knew? Yeah. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh.
0: Because it doesn't sound, you know. No. No. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, I took one of your classes, uh, I took your um, intermediate class and you I talked about this on a few of these podcasts. It was it was was your your uh, you did this thing with us where you had us bring in a a cloth. Yeah. And you told us the date the session before. You say bring in a cloth, and you know all of us overthinker photographer. What kind, Rob? Is it blue? Is it (laughs) translucent? And you say it doesn't matter. Just long as it's this long. What? Okay. Are we going to use this as a flag or something? Just bring the cloth and your camera. And so you know that prompt. And and you said that you might take the best, one of the best pictures you've ever taken in your life. You know, and you made us put it on our face. Yeah. We walked around campus, and and sure enough, I took one of the greatest pictures of my life. So what I got out of that prompt was that we can overthink things, that we can mess it up, we can take the spontaneity out of a thing. What what, what was the intention of that prompt? The
1: the intent was that you, you make, as a photographer, you make pictures in response, not just to what you see. Um, I mean, that's a large part of it. People, uh, in terms of our sensory input, Mm -hmm. about 80% of our sensory input is from sight, unlike a lot of other animals that don't see very well, like rhinoceros can hardly see. Uh, And and so their input is from sound and smell and that kind of thing. So what I wanted was to take away that sight but to still have you make photographs, and and the camera can you know you you can respond to sound and smell uh, in a in a pretty in, in a more intense way. Like if you go to the beach and you go there with your camera, you see the beach, but you also smell the salt air, and all of that creates an atmosphere for you to to work. Mm-hmm. If you take away the sight, then you have the other senses that that um, you, in a sense, they don't become stronger. But I saw this on a TV show the other day where there was a, one of the characters on the TV show was uh, blind. Okay. And the, the conversation went, so when you lose your sight, do the other senses get stronger to make up for it and, okay. and her response was no not really you just pay more attention to them
0: That's interesting.
1: and I, I thought that's a really interesting way to think about it and when you take away the sight and you walk around and at least you, you feel somewhat safe like you're not going to fall in the duck pond out there or something <laughs> uh, then you can you can respond to things you can respond to like I'm here with my camera and I can respond to touch I can respond to the car going by. I can respond to a smell or a sound. Okay, right. you know, there's a little kid over here right now, and if he shouted out or something, mm-hmm. um, you could just kind of Find point that. and yeah. see. Yeah. And you wouldn't necessarily get this classically composed thing. No. But in a sense, that's that's potentially really good, because you're not kind of overthinking it or or applying the the visual rules or guidelines that you have in your head to the frame you're just Mm -hmm. reacting yes and and maybe your percentage lowers in terms of effective pictures but sometimes that spontaneity just leads to incredible
0: things that's amazing
1: I mean, somebody like Cartier-Bresson, who's one of my, my photographic heroes, is known for these decisive moment photographs. And uh, uh, Gary Winogrand, also, yeah. the late Gary Winogrand. And, and a lot of times, he's not even looking. It's not that he's blindfolded, but but they're so in tune with the machine that they don't really need to look in it. They can just hold it and click, click, click. Uh, and they come up with these uh, wonderful images that are timed perfectly. And I never thought of myself as being able to do that much. Um, but it, it's something that, it, it, I can do it, and it's something that you, you just kind of, it just kind of happens. Uh, the, the Legacy Project, which I have been part of for 15 years, We we had a show in Beijing of the great picture, the large photograph. Yes. um, So we were in Beijing for a week, and we walked miles every day. And I, I went out by myself, we went out with the other guys, with the cameras. And all of a sudden, I started just seeing things that were about to happen.